Let's pray. Holy One, Sacred Three, please, by alchemy of great spirit, pour your life into these ancient words so that we may hear your word spoken to us. Through Christ, the living word, we pray. Amen. So sin is not such a popular topic in many churches. Perhaps in more fundamentalist churches or in some other traditions, sin might get a lot of focus, but not so much in uniting churches and in mainline Protestant traditions. And there are some good reasons for this. Many people have experienced the ways in which sin talk has been used to simply make people feel guilty and afraid. Talk of sin is associated with spiritual abuse for many people. Ministers or priests standing up on high and condemning. Leaders manipulating people, terrorising people into some kind of faith commitment. Because of this, many people in the United Church don't want to talk about sin at all. But just because the talk of sin has been co-opted and used to manipulate in some traditions, is it really true that there's no place to talk about sin? Just because our whole culture is averse to notions such as sin, does this mean that we should therefore avoid talking about it as well? You see, I think we lose something when we don't talk about sin, when we don't name the truth. Those things that are harmful and destructive in our lives and in the lives of others and in our culture. We lose our ability to be honest and we lose our ability to be savvy, aware and constructively critical. When we seek to live in denial of sin, of the human propensity to harm, we end up living in this kind of naive bubble, a bleached out, sanitised, fairytale version of life where everyone is actually really kind and has a good heart and the wolf dressed up as granny is just misunderstood. There are huge costs associated with this willful collective blindness. Blindness to the truth that people can be violent and evil and self-seeking. And about the ways in which people can use their power against and over others for personal gain. And as a result of this collective willful blindness in our culture, what happens is that each time evil is committed, we're shocked and appalled. I think this is an exhausting cycle, living in a fairy tale, a bleached out fairy tale where there are really no baddies and then being shocked and appalled when evil happens. I think this general collective denial of sin in our culture is one of the things that propels some people to go in the opposite direction and start demonising particular groups. They are the sinners or the evil ones. So we've seen this happen with young African men being all labelled 
as part of gangs and evil. So if there's complete denial, then the, the human propensity can go the other way and demonise others. Clearly, this demonising is also an expression of sin. So I think we need to talk about sin. First, we need to define it. For people who have been part of Richmond Uniting for a while, you may remember what the Greek word is. Does anyone remember the Greek? Almost. Hamatia. And it means? Missing the mark. Missing the mark. See on the front of your order of worship? It's a bow and arrow term. Hamatia, the Greek. It means missing the mark. That's a literal from the New Testament. The language of the New Testament is Greek. It's a bow and arrow term. So the image on the front of the order of worship has all the arrows missing the bullseye. So that's important that we understand this is the kind of sense of what the word means. And what does Jesus say the mark is? Jesus, for us as Christians, who is the living word of God, Jesus says the most important things are loving God, loving people and loving ourselves. Loving God with your whole energy, loving others, not just the people like us, but our neighbours and enemies, and loving ourselves. Love your neighbour as yourself. That's the mark. That's the bullseye. So everything else that falls out of that is sin. So it's not a moralistic thing, it's about living in a particular relationship with yourself, with others, with God. So any time that we do things like put ideologies before our love of God, or any time we exert power over others instead of for others, or any time we stop caring for ourselves, these can all be expressions of sin, of missing the mark, missing the bullseye. And we all do it. And we can get different flavours at different times in our lives, in whichever ways we do it, but we all do it. We all miss the mark on an individual level, but also on a systemic level. For example, companies who are seeking to exert power over us by paying for data about us to then target advertising to us. That is using power over, power against. Their intent is to sell. There is no intent about welfare of the individual. Or when governments collude with media in order to demonise a particular group, whether it's people who are on welfare, or people of a particular racial background that is using power over, not using power for, for the building up. Or when companies take from the earth without caring for it. That is power over, not for. These are all expressions of sin. And the thing is, when we refuse to name it, Name the reality of sin at an individual and at a collective level. We are lying. And we're staying locked in our wounds. And the other thing we're doing, we are leaving ourselves wide open to being taken advantage of. By systems and by individuals. 
And that's not okay. The psalm that we read today speaks of openly about the reality of sin, of those with power misusing their power, especially against the poor. And the author longs for justice. This can be our prayer too. Naming sin, naming the behaviour, not demonising, but naming the behaviour. Because when we name this behaviour, not in spite, not in hate, not in arrogance, but just name it, name those things that are not loving God, loving neighbour and loving self, and when we can see it in ourselves as well, then there can be change. Then there can be the possibility of calling to account, exposing evil, and then there can be healing. Because I think this is very difficult for this to happen when we're in denial of the whole existence of it. So what do we do? How do we go forward? How do we not end up becoming obsessed with sin and talking about it and judging others? How do we not go into that pitfall but leave our denial fairyland world? It's so interesting if we look to Jesus. Now, Jesus is Jewish and is saturated in sacred Jewish text, the Old Testament, and there is a lot of rage there about injustice done to the poor and to the vulnerable. Jesus would know this rage, this anger against evil. Anger against sin, and yet what does Jesus do? Jesus sees sin, names sin, calls people to repent, which just means turn around, calls people to turn around, but he stays in compassion. And today we hear of the religious elite's fury because that compassion even includes befriending people who are sinning, people who are ripping off others, befriending and feasting with. That's why the religious elite are so angry. He should be furious at them, like they assume God is furious at them, and yet Jesus stays in relationship. Not the kind of relationship where anything goes, calling to account, naming, calling for change, but love, out of love and compassion. Can we possibly imagine that this is how God is? Because for us as Christians, that's what the claim at the heart of our faith is, that God comes to us in Jesus, that in Jesus we see the image of God. So can we possibly imagine that the way in which Jesus embodies compassion towards sinners is how God is to us? Protecting and defending us against those with power, the religious elite or others who are trying to demonise us, who are inviting us to the table, who are calling us to change, but who do that in love, that God does this in love. And that the energy of God is like this woman who looks and looks and looks for us and will not stop looking like the woman who looks for the lost coin and who, when we turn around and let God love us, celebrates with the angels. 
think this is what we're invited into, into paradox. Into being able to honestly see sin, individually, collectively, systemically, and know that God responds in compassion. One doesn't cancel out the other, we hold them together. Knowing that God's energy, like the energy of that woman, Holy Spirit is continuing to move within and among us and out that door, looking for the lost, seeking to gather in. And there will be people like the religious authorities who judge and condemn and will be furious at this image of God. But that's okay. That's their, that's their journey. God's looking for them as well. It's our job to be able to enter more and more into this truth. Because the world needs it right now. The world needs people who can see evil and name it, but stay in love. The world needs people who can let the humble light of Christ shine through them in our beautiful broken world. Amen.